Where do I want you to turn? <laughs> oh, Aaron, my hero. One of my heroes. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the Journey Bible reading. Um, I just want to give a shout out. If you are not currently reading through the Bible with us, this is a really good week to start because we have transitioned from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So from now until the end of December, we will be in the New Testament. And it's really pretty cool how they've done it. Um, we're reading the same story as it's recorded in all the Gospels. So we're in Matthew one day, John one day, Luke one day. But it all is about that area of Jesus' life. We just talked about his birth. Um, we're going to uh, see him grow and we're going to uh, experience through the scriptures, the life of Jesus. So I encourage you, you can pick up a Bible reading guide at any of the doors. You can go online and get a Bible reading guide. And uh, it's not too late to start. This is a good time, right? And uh, also we meet on Wednesday nights here in the auditorium and we discuss the things that we have read that week, facilitated by one of the pastors or elders and it's a, it's a great time, so... Uh, journey Bible reading and journey discussion Wednesdays at 7. Okay, back to the message for the day, one that I feel like God is, has placed upon my heart. There's three different uh, verses of the Bible that I'm going to call your attention to. If you're taking notes, you can go to wfa.church, go to live stream, and they're all listed. Uh, but I want us to look at Jude chapter 20. Ephesians 6.18 and Romans 8.26 and 27. I think every one of us realizes the importance of prayer. I think all of us want to enhance our prayer life. Prayer is not something you just do at a certain time, at a certain um, location, with the certain liturgy. Now, those things are okay. I have a given time every morning that I spend in the word and prayer. But Paul says that we are to be people who are in an attitude of prayer all through the day. So if you're driving down Western, you can turn off the cell phone or the radio station. And you can just pray as you're driving down Western. When you find yourself at that moment stressed out, you can pause and shoot up a 15-second prayer and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Help me right now. Prayer is an attitude, and I think we all understand that. We've all hopefully prayed and asked Christ into our heart. We've asked Jesus to lead and, and guide us. So I think we all would agree... Would you agree? Prayer is important. So prayer is important. So this message is for all of us. Prayer is important. But I think we're all human enough to know that we have struggled with prayer. There are times that we feel too guilty to pray. Like, man, I blew it. I knew I shouldn't have done that, but I did it. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have lost my temper. I shouldn't have done this. And so guilt is used by Satan to prevent us from reestablishing our prayer life. Sometimes it's simple, simple busyness. 
Man, I talked to one of our brothers this morning, and he said, yeah, I got to leave at 6 in the morning because I got to be in Quincy by 7. I thought, man, and then he's working all day long, and then he's got a family, and I'm thinking, wow, busyness can also hinder us from prayer, and it's not an intentional thing. Maybe weariness. Have you ever been so tired, not just physically, but emotionally, that it's just hard to pray? Or maybe it's hard to stay focused. You want to pray, but man, your mind is here and there and everywhere. It's like one of those old pinball machines. Sometimes, to be honest, I don't know how to pray. Now, it's good to say, not my will, but your will be done. But man, there is a lot of situations, particularly as we know in the last five months, we've lost eight church members And uh, three of those were under 65. So these just aren't people in their 90s crossing the finish line. And it's confusing sometimes. Sometimes it's it's difficult to know how to pray. So I I want you to listen carefully this morning because I believe there is an answer for our prayer problems. I believe there's an answer for our prayer problems. And the answer is a person. And the person is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. We have been going through the values of Wenatchee First Assembly. You'll see a big display out in the lobby. We talked about authentic community. We talked about spiritual development, how each of us, no matter where we are, needs to be growing in maturity, becoming more like Jesus. Our third value here at Wenatchee First Assembly is what we call spirit empowerment. You cannot live a life of victory without the power of the Holy Spirit. If you try to wrestle with the devil, you're going to lose every time. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Don't ever think that you're greater than the devil. But the Holy Spirit of God that's in you gives you the power for victory. The Holy Spirit is the paraclete, one called alongside to help. Well, man, if I'm having trouble praying, it's the Holy Spirit that will help me to pray. So I want to introduce to you this morning this idea of spirit empowerment. And there's a million ways to go. But I've chosen a common theme that all of us can relate to, and that's prayer. Prayer. How can we be spirit-empowered in our prayer life? I believe there is a way to defeat the struggles that we have in prayer. I think there's a way to experience the breakthroughs that will revolutionize our prayer life and even our prayer effectiveness. Bible says that the prayer of righteous people not performance, it's not righteousness because, you know, we've done everything right. It's because our faith is in Jesus, who is our righteousness. I believe that those prayers of righteous people will avail or accomplish much if we pray through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk today about spirit empowerment in prayer. I think The Holy Spirit not only has the solutions to our prayer struggles, he is literally the spirit of prayer. 
Now we know that each part of the Trinity has a certain function. The Father has a function, Jesus has a function, and the Spirit has a function. Jesus taught us to pray, but Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I will send you another counselor, another comforter, another intercessor. Part of that word paraclete, it's got a sevenfold meaning, and one of the words is, par- is um, intercessor. Intercessor. Man, this prayer partnering relationship that we can have with the Holy Spirit is made clear in all three of these verses that I want to read to you this morning. Jude chapter 20, they'll be on the screen. You can look them up. But you, dear friends, now notice it doesn't say you apostles, you pastors and teachers, you who are part of the fivefold ministry. It's talking to all of us, believers. You, dear believers, dear friends, by building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Spirit. You know, you might wait for your buttercup to come build you up. Some of you old timers remember that song, Oh, Build Me Up, Buttercup. And the young people are looking at me and saying, Pastor, you're getting older every week. You can hope that other people will, bu- will build you up. You can hope your pastor will, your spouse will, your neighbor will, your best friend will. But the Bible says sometimes we have to take responsibility and build ourselves up. Paul did. Paul said he had to encourage himself in the Lord. If you need encouragement, look within, encourage yourself. And here's in Jude, it says, man, if you need built up, the Holy Spirit can help you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Turn there quickly. Ephesians 6, 18. Bible says, pray in the Spirit. Not in your flesh, not in your mind, not in your will, not according to your agenda, it says pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. We use the Lord's Prayer today. We don't do that on a regular basis, but it's a good prayer. The Jesus Prayer is a wonderful prayer to use. I have Catholic Friends who use the rosary as a prayer. There's nothing wrong with any of those prayers, but you don't want to confine yourself to one type of prayer because God is creative. (laughs) The Holy Spirit's creative. And here it says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all different kinds of prayers and requests. But with this in mind, be alert (laughs) and always keep on praying For all the Lord's people. Pray in the Spirit. There are times it's very appropriate to pray the Lord's Prayer. There's other times it's appropriate for you to pray in your prayer language that God has given you. Sometimes it's just appropriate to say, God help me! Seriously. Because 
You know, we don't have to pray a certain way to get God's attention. He sees our heart. It's sincerity of heart. That is the key. Okay, one more scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. Romans 8, undoubtedly, is probably the, <laughs> the greatest chapter in the Bible. There's guys like John Piper and, and others that would say that everything we need to live for Christ is found in Romans 8. It's a wonderful, wonderful chapter. And the writer of Romans says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now think about that for a moment. When you don't know how to pray, you're weak. When you're too exhausted to pray, when you're too busy to pray, when in the same way, the Spirit helps you pray in those situations. That's why one of our values is spirit empowerment. And then it goes on to say we don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes with wordless groans. Because just as God is triune, we're triune. We have a body. That's how we recognize each other. We have a soul. That's our prejudices. That's our personality. That's our likes, our dislikes. That's our memories. But the important part of a person is their spirit. That's the part that is born again when you ask Christ into your heart. And your spirit can actually pray bypassing your soul, which would be your emotions, your feelings at the moment. Your spirit can pray bypassing your body, which might be exhausted or might be racked in pain. Your spirit can pray directly to the spirit of God. It's a direct line. That's pretty cool. When I don't know what I had to pray for, the Bible says I should let the Holy Spirit intercede for me. And then verse 27 says, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people, listen, in accordance to the will of God. So if you want to pray in the will of God, let the Holy Spirit pray through you. In those three passages of scriptures, man, there are some specific ways that I see that we need to partner with the Holy Spirit, which is one of our values, spirit empowerment. So three really practical things here. Number one, the Holy Spirit can stir you to pray. I've got a confession to make. I don't always feel like praying. Now, you all look at me like I'm the only one in the room. That uh, <laughs> I know you guys better than that. There's times you don't want to pray either. And when I don't want to pray, I've got to remember the Holy Spirit can stir something in my spirit that will cause me to desire to pray. See, sometimes we think prayer is like knocking on God's door. Now, hang on. I know some of you are thinking about that picture that Jesus is standing knocking at the door. It's based out of Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. 
It says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. I'll sup with him and he with me. Now, we use that sometimes in what we would call in the church evangelism, which is our theological way of saying we want to introduce other people to Jesus. We want to share our faith. And sometimes we use that scripture about evangelism. That is really not correct. If you study Revelation 3.20, you will find out it's all about fellowship with God. He's inviting us into an intimate relationship with him. It's Christ's call to this group of Christians in a town called Laodicea who had grown, the Bible says, lukewarm. (laughs) And they'd lost their relationship with Jesus. That's the context that Jesus comes and says, hey, here I am standing at the door knocking. He is inviting believers back into an intimate relationship with him. I believe, friends, the Holy Spirit is knocking to stir up in us that prayer of intimacy, that prayer of fellowship, that desire to be walking in the presence of God. Man, where does Christ want to live? He wants to live in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to go to Jerusalem. We don't have to go to the Ark of the Covenant. That's where the presence of God used to be under the old covenant. But now, under the new covenant, anyone who has accepted Christ as their Savior has the Holy Spirit in them. That's why we used to sing that chorus, into my heart, into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. It has to do with fellowship. And fellowshipping prayer, I don't know if that's really a term, but it has to do with spending time in the presence of God. And if you've been with the Lord for any length of time, you know that sometimes it's not even an exchange of words. It's just sitting in his presence, knowing that he's there. You don't say anything. He doesn't say anything. It's like the two old timers that have been married 70 years sitting on the rocking chairs on their front porch holding hands. They don't utter a word. It's just enough to be with one another. And that's what God desires of us. So the Holy Spirit can stir with us that kind of intimacy. The Holy Spirit also stirs with us this kind of fighting prayer. Sometimes we have to be militant. Sometimes we have to say, man, this is a spiritual warfare. We see it in our culture. We see it in our churches. We see it in our life. And some of the greatest battles are not really physical or financial or or relational. They're spiritual. We do not fight against flesh and blood. We do not fight against one another. There is darkness and there is the light of God. Ephesians 6 says it so plainly, church. Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now, for some of you, you have to remind yourself, and you might have to put somebody's name in there. Who is flesh and blood? (laughs) Our struggle is not against whoever you might be at odds with right now, whoever hurt you, whoever abandoned you, whoever offended you. Well, your battle's not against them. 
It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The Holy Spirit sometimes stirs us up to this fighting prayer because prayer is a weapon. Prayer is a weapon. Sometimes you think, oh, I'll get back at him, and you say something that's going to be sharp and painful to that person. That's, that's not the way you fight spiritual battles. 2 Corinthians 10.4, write it down if you're taking notes. It's very important to understand prayer is an offensive weapon in the armory of God. It says, Paul writes it, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. Nope. What does the world tell you? Well, you just get a bigger club. Someone clubs you, you get a bigger club. Man, if someone's got a gun, you need a bigger gun. Man, if they, you know, rip you apart with their tongue, you rip them apart with... No, it says the weapons we fight with are not those kind of weapons. On the contrary, the weapons we use, the Holy Spirit praying through us, have the divine power to demolish strongholds. Notice it's not demolishing people. It's not saying, oh, well, we got to get rid of that group of people. We got to get rid of those liberals. We got, no, it's demolishing strongholds. It's a spiritual thing. Man, the more I study about prayer, the more I understand the necessity to let the Holy Spirit pray through me. Because sometimes it's hard for me to pray really with the heart of God. I'm praying with my own anger, my own agenda, my own hopes and dreams. And there are times, but I've been in intercessory prayer meetings, and some of you have too, where the Holy Spirit wants us to, to stand in the gap for somebody. Stand in the gap. When I came 35 years ago, we had two twin brothers, Roy and Ray Reams, who were just like pillars of our church. Ray had a little shop. He repaired pianos and had a little shop. He lived on Harrison Street, and he had a little shop outside his, uh, in the back of his house. And he had, above the door, the gap. And I said, why does that say the gap? He says, because that's where I pray. That's where I pray for people. That's where I stand in the gap for people. Ray Reams is a prayer warrior, and he went out to this little shed where he repaired pianos. And man, he would fight Satan, not on his own ability, but using the power of the Holy Spirit, standing in the gap. I think sometimes we need to stand in the gap more for our brothers, our sisters, for righteousness, for holiness, for the things of God, to battle in prayer. I think it would be more effective if we battled those things in prayer than some of the ways that we have chosen to battle those things. So not only does the Holy Spirit stir us to pray, uh, he also strengthens us to pray. And that's my second point this morning. The Holy Spirit doesn't just stir us to fellowship with God 
and to fight for the will of God. Those are all good things. But he doesn't do that and then just leave us on our own to make it happen because we can't make it happen. It's impossible. That's why Romans 8.26 says in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know how to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans the words cannot express. And there's a couple ways I just want to share with you that I think are vital in how he strengthens us. First of all, he energizes us. Romans 8, 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Did you get that? How do we get life in our mortal bodies? It's through the spirit who lives in us. And that's not just a promise for the sweet by and by. Sometimes they think, oh, that's a wonderful promise that after we die, we'll obtain. No, it's a promise for overcoming life right now. How is it that Jesus could pray all the way through the night and his disciples couldn't even ask for one hour? How was that? Ever thought about that? Jesus was fully human. And he says, guys, this is really a critical time. Could you, could you just pray one hour with me? And they couldn't. Jesus not only prayed for one hour, he prayed for two, for three, for four, for five. He prayed all the way through the night, the Bible says. Why? Because he was energized by the Holy Spirit. I believe it. Sometimes we have a hard time making a commitment to prayer. And the Bible helps us understand that struggle because the Spirit's willing Every one of us want to be people of prayer. You want to pray for your families. You want to pray for your neighbors. You want to pray for our country. You you do want to pray. Our spirit is welling, but the flesh is weak, right? The flesh is weak. So on their own, the disciples couldn't even pray an hour. They didn't have the energy. They couldn't muster enough mentally or physically to stay in the battle. But there's uh, this energy that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's an energizing life that gives us the strength to stand and to pray. And I'm thankful for that. And the Holy Spirit sometimes will pray through you with groans. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will give you the right words. There has been times at this altar that I prayed for people and I've just felt the Holy Spirit direct me and I have prayed in a way that was not the way that I had intended to pray. And I look back and I think, well, that's because the Holy Spirit was directing my prayer. My prayer in English. But often the Holy Spirit gives me my prayer language. Now the prayer language for someone who has been baptized in the Holy Spirit is not the same as the gift of tongues. And I just want to remind you that. Don't get confused. There is a gift of tongues to be used publicly with interpretation along with the other gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. But what we're talking about this morning here is a prayer language. It's where your spirit prays directly to the spirit, and it's for your edification. It's that the Holy Spirit helps you. He enlightens he enlighten us. 
He, he helps us by giving us this prayer language. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Outwardly we're wasting away, but inwardly we can be renewed day by day with the help of the Holy Spirit. Not only do we struggle sometimes physically and emotionally, but again, sometimes we struggle even mentally to know how to pray for somebody. But Paul recognizes that. We read it earlier. We don't know how we pray, Romans 8, 26. And if we'll pray about what to pray for, often the Holy Spirit will show us that. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will give you a language that you have not learned, but it is a gift from the Holy Spirit. It is your spirit speaking directly to the Spirit of God. A pastor once told his congregation, many of our prayer requests are for the sick rather than for the lost. Because for some reason we're more interested in keeping the saints out of heaven than we are the sinners out of hell. Yes, I will repeat it. Many of our requests are for the sick rather than for the lost because we're more interested in keeping the saints out of heaven than we are sinners out of hell. Here's the key. The Holy Spirit wants to shape our prayer life. That's all I'm saying. He gives us the strategy for our prayers, whether it's in English, whether it's just a groan that doesn't make any sense to us, whether it's a new language, a prayer language that I believe every baptized, born-again, spirit-filled Christian has the ability to use. He strengthens us by engaging us. I was just talking to uh, a couple from our church who are uh, in charge of one of our ministries. And we're talking about how important it is to get input from those in your group that you're ministering to you because they have ownership, you know. If you can engage people, even in the planning area of an event, it's going to strengthen their commitment to that. We understand that. But think about that spiritually. Don't miss that that is also a spiritual truth. Romans 8.26 says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, I was kind of curious what that meant, help, because that, that can mean a lot of things. So I wanted to look it up in the original, in the Greek. And the Greek word translated helps in Romans 8 there is really quite interesting. The Greek word is preceded by what they call a double prefix. I don't know Greek, so I don't understand all the nuances of their language. But the Greek word help in Romans 8 is preceded by a double prefix. The first part of that prefix means together with. So I am together with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is together with me, helping me. But the other part means instead of. It's a double prefix. Together with, but also instead of. Which is pretty interesting, isn't it? 
If I need an errand run and I don't have the time and someone offers to do it for me and I said, would you take this down? They're operating instead of me. They're not together with me, but they're doing it instead of me. And I thought, man, that is a cool concept I have never really discovered until the last couple of weeks. The Holy Spirit helps together with me, but there's oftentimes the Holy Spirit does it in my stead, instead of me. The Holy Spirit offers this together with and an instead of kind of help. The Holy Spirit does the work, but he will never do it apart from us. He's a gentleman. Same way with your prayer language. If you feel like, man, I just need to intercede and God's given me this word and it sounds like it's gibberish and, you know, I, I don't know about this tongue thing. Man, don't be afraid of that. The Holy Spirit is interceding through you, but he won't do it apart from you. The Holy Spirit will not violate your free will. There's no one that's going to speak in tongues that doesn't want to speak in tongues. Because the Holy Spirit just generally does not operate that way in our life. I know there's times like Saul on the way to Damascus, the Holy Spirit just, this is the way it is, and blinded him. And it was a, and there are those miraculous kind of things. But I'm talking about general biblical principles here. The Holy Spirit offers help. Now, what does help mean? Together with and instead of. The Holy Spirit wants to speak through my lips in a language directly to God, but he wants to do it through me with my cooperation. Okay, third thing, third principle. The Holy Spirit stands with us in prayer. Man, that's wonderful. He, the Holy Spirit, will express the will of God through our prayers. Groanings, too deep for words, or maybe uh, some kind of insightful English or Spanish or German or whatever your native tongue might be. But there's this standing with us. He's not going to abandon us. There's a partnership. A partnership. And when God, the Holy Spirit, in the human spirit, enables you to pray in a prayer language, oh man, it's that standing with you. That word groaning is like the word that's used in the pains of childbirth. Maybe you have heard that. You know, if you look at verse 22 of, of that same chapter, Romans chapter 8, you'll see how all of creation, the Bible says, groans and travails in pain, waiting for the second coming of Christ. And just as a woman travails in pain, giving birth to a child, that's the same idea, the Holy Spirit travailing, making deep intercession for those things that he cares so deeply about. Maybe those hurts, those wounds, the consequences of our sin, the pleas and intercessions. 
Sometimes it's just wonderful to say, God, you know how to say this best. Holy Spirit, just give me that language to pray through. Spirit empowerment will help us to be better prayer warriors, better intercessors. Through groans, through our prayer language, through insight and discernment. And it's then that the Holy Spirit begins to move in our heart. And it's then when we have that assurance, the Holy Spirit is standing with us. He, the Spirit, prays for us instead of us, together with us. Just like a lady giving birth. Think of the prayer of Jesus, the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed to the point that his sweat actually burst blood vessels and he began to sweat drops of blood, the Bible says. The agony transfixed, yet the Spirit standing with him promised by hope. And I just encourage all of us whether you're watching online today or whether you're here in the auditorium or watching this service later on this week, let the Holy Spirit empower you in your prayer life. Let the Holy Spirit promise, uh, empower you in your prayer life. It's a promise for you. Acts 2.39 says the promise of spirit empowerment is for you and your children and for all those who are far off. And we're far off from the day of Pentecost, from Acts 2. But we're still included. Because it says, for all whom God has called. Man, there's no record of believers tearing or seeking the gift of the Holy Spirit after the initial outpouring at Pentecost. We know that they were waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But once that outpouring happened, there's no other biblical record of people having to wait because it's been given. <laughs> I mean, people are under the impression that waiting is still part of seeking, really need the understanding. It's not a matter of asking God to do something for you because he's already done it. It's a matter of releasing your faith and accepting the gift that God has given you. The empowerment of the Spirit today specifically for your prayer life. Will you bow in a word of prayer? And I just encourage you in these final moments that we have together, first of all, just to thank God for, for your salvation. Thank Him for taking you from the kingdom of darkness and inviting you into the kingdom of light making you an heir of the Father and co-heir of the Son, making you as a believer part of God's family. But I'd also just invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to rise up within you. He's already there. If you've asked Jesus in your heart, you have the Holy Spirit in you. So just release your faith this morning and ask him to rise up within you. Just command every doubt and fear to be removed. 
Lord, I just pray there's a spirit of faith in this place that will be granted to every person that's taking a moment here to pray, to allow your spirit to pray through them. you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I just encourage you to receive that gift. As you begin to pray about a burden you've been carrying, release it to the Holy Spirit. He might even give you that prayer language. Trust Him. Trust Him enough take that step of faith if he is. Lord, we need you and we need the Holy Spirit who is your gift to us, the paraclete, the one called alongside to help, the one who empowers us to live a victorious Christian life, the one who will stir us to pray, the one who will strengthen us to pray, and the one who will stand by us as we pray. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my heart, in my life today. Jesus, Jesus, praise your name.